everybody should definitely come to Baltimore. We had to find a different way to put our passion to work. If you love your job and love what you do, every day goes on as you want it. I think how we look at art can be world changing. All of these businesses are taking precautions to make sure that everyone is safe. We're ready. Masks, distancing, and frequent cleaning are just the beginning. Learn more at Baltimore.org. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. We are offering you a free trial. If you go to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, not only can you listen to audiobooks, but you can check out the other uh, audio content they have as well. Uh, if you haven't been on the um, site, you're going to be pretty surprised, I think. So go on over, get that trial, check it out for yourself. Over the years, the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast has enjoyed inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to for sales, business growth, small business, entrepreneurship, leadership. We've just been really fortunate to just be on a ton of lists. And that's because of the guests. These are folks who have expertise in a particular area of business, and they join me for a conversation, a little chat. Uh, where they share that expertise with all of you. That way you can get the information you need, you can get connected to these folks, and you can do better things in your business. Today is no different. My guest today is Chris Yoko. Chris is the founder and CEO of Yoko Company. Chris focuses on helping people and the organizations they belong to pave the road to a more utopian world. He empowers heroic organizations to build and champion themselves using their most powerful asset, their web presence. Chris is an expert in web design and accessibility, digital marketing, company culture, and social responsibility. His goal for himself and those he aids is to be driven by a purpose beyond profit. Thanks so much for joining me today, Chris. Thanks for having me, Dan. I am thrilled to have you. Now, I would love it if you would explain to the listeners why you say that our web presence is our most powerful asset. Yeah, I mean, it's the one thing you have that 
speak can speak to everyone simultaneously you know if you're taking phone calls if you're at a meeting a conference if you're doing outbound sales inbound sales you're you've always got some limiting reagent in the chemical equation of your success that uh, is going to stall things out whereas your web presence is you know simultaneously available to everybody and uh, is also worldwide so organizations that used to have only a local footprint can now have an international footprint got it okay so you, you know i said in your um bio that that you are looking to you know help these organizations pave the world uh pave the way toward a more utopian world which i love that um purpose uh but help me understand how my web presence makes the world a better place <laughs> so uh, a lot of it starts with thinking about the organization itself so the folks that we help tend to fall into one of two buckets it's people who know and already calculate the type of positive impact they want to have and then there's those organizations that aspire to have a positive purpose and they don't really quite know either what it is or exactly how to accomplish it and it's interesting uh, because obviously your web presence can help in both in the latter case with an organization uh, that already knows the impact it wants to have it's a matter of execution the more fun one and the one that might be more applicable to your listeners is the one for organizations that are still trying to figure out exactly what they want that to look like and that is where I think about the value of the web presence, not only as your marketing tool, a communication tool, a chance to interact with clients, uh, but there's also, whenever you go through that process of, especially like rebranding and redesigning a website specifically, there's a, when done right, there's a certain amount of almost like vision boarding that happens where I kind of think of whenever you start to plant that flag as an organization, it's almost like somebody who stopped smoking where they're like, hey, I stopped smoking finally. And it's like, okay, well, for how long? For four hours. Like it's been four hours since I smoked. But you got to plant that flag somewhere. It's the same thing with, with the website. Whenever you say, we are an organization that does these things, you, maybe that only last, you know, it's only been four hours since you started to say that, but you put that out there and it starts to become true. And the way that we find it tends to really impact organizations is, uh, are you familiar with Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey? No, I'm not. Okay, good deal. So Joseph Campbell, uh, an amazing author, wrote this book called uh, The Hero with a Thousand Faces, where he breaks down all of these tales from like the Odyssey and the Aeneid all the way up to Star Wars, uh, Wizard of Oz, Harry Potter, all of the movies and stories you likely love follow uh, the hero's journey, which is that the hero goes through these kind of same 12 steps. And it starts with, you know, the call to action, understanding there's a need for change, not really wanting to address it, kind of being reluctant, going through it. And there's just a path of self-transformation which happens. And that self-transformation is what enables the hero to go out and vanquish the beast, find the elixir, whatever the case might be, and then better impact their community, their cast of characters around them, and then ultimately transform the world. And what we find is when you go through a brand update or a web transformation the right way and with that kind of intentionality, it serves as that vision board that uh, is essentially like a crucible of self-transformation. So you start to change yourself. Your team starts to see like, oh, this is how we impact the world. Now I kind of have something I'm proud to show mom and dad. I'm proud to show my spouse. I'm proud to show my kids. The work I do does this kind of impact. So it's not just about the dollars and cents. It's about making an impact. And now I'm a little bit more excited to tell that story. People that land on our website begin to hear that story. It allows us to transform ourselves before we can then transform the relationships we have with our clients, ultimately grow and hopefully serve more clients and a broader community. And then subsequently through the ripple effect we all have on the world, 
create a better world. And it starts, you know, I believe with that web presence and it can happen on a multiple, multitude of levels. Um, but I think one of the most important is being able to find that kind of vision and, and crucible of self-transformation as it were. Because then that's sort of like the window, your, your window to the world. Absolutely. Wow. This is so interesting. I mean, I, you know, I have to say, honestly, I've interviewed a lot of people about, um, the, you know, the importance of your website. And this is the first time I've had this sort of conversation about, you know, really going through that discovery process of not just how do you make money, but what is the impact that you have? And it feels like that can really be a game changer for people. I think so. I mean, for the right kind of people, it's, you know, for the people it's not a fit for, it's not a fit for. And that's fine. There are some people that it's not. But for those that it is, I mean, it feels like a way to do really meaningful and impactful work. And, you know, we only get one life. Why not do it on work that matters? <laughs> yeah. So are there particular industries that you find this applies to uh, more than others? What's been interesting is a lot of people, people here are, yeah, a lot of people here are spiel and they begin to assume like, oh, you work with nonprofits and NGOs. And while yes, we do work with a fair number of, uh, you know, nonprofits, the majority of our clientele is commercial organizations that just realize, especially as time has gone on and in a capitalistic society like ours, businesses have a greater role to play in contributing to the community. And we're an interconnected global economy now. So we're a global community. So everyone has this responsibility to help build a better world. And so a lot of the organizations we work with are commercial organizations from, you know, SAS and PASS systems, um, all the way to healthcare organizations, associations, and organizations that used to be considered more or less, you know, local um, service providers who are working on more like professional services and stuff like that, that now have the ability to have a more national or international footprint, depending on the kind of work that they do. And all of them have the ability to have this positive impact. And so that's what we help them with is both grow their business and grow their impact. Do you think that, that the, so we're recording this during um, some stage of the pandemic, who knows, <laughs> and, and social unrest in the United States and you know, probably around the world. Do you find that this time people are more conscious of that, you know, the impact that they have on the world or that they could have? You know, do, do things feel different to you? I, I think it depends on the room you're in. I feel like there are some people that are absolutely aware of this and bear a great deal of weight and feeling and ownership for how to affect this change and how, how to be able to you know basically move the world forward and make it more equitable. Um, and then in some other rooms, I feel like there's a lot of, I think it's mostly fear driven. You know, there's been a whole generation of people that, you know, all of us were basically raised to say like, okay, here's what success looks like. And for the longest time, it was a house and a car and things and stuff. And that's what people went out and went after. And now suddenly it's, hey, that's not really enough. And maybe those aren't the right kind of things to focus on. And when you reach a certain point in your life where you're like, hey, this was what success looked like and I was going after it. Now you're telling me that that was wrong and I'm wrong. It can feel like a personal slight. And I feel like that's probably what's feeding a lot of the, the folks that don't feel as much personal responsibility for this. And 
Wow. As much as I think we like to point fingers back and forth, um, that's not ultimately going to change anything. That's probably only going to make it worse. And I wish <laughs> I had the answers for how to like bridge that gap and have those conversations. But uh, it's it's certainly a difficult place. But to answer your original question, I think it just depends on the room. I think some people really feel a lot of ownership for it and want to see things change. And I think some others more or less kind of want to bury their head in the sand. And, you know, this is the way we've done things and want to stick to it. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that. So. Um, speaking of these crazy times, uh, there, there's a lot of like hacking and spam, excuse me, spamming and, and it feels like there's so much more going on and I wonder if it's because so many more people are doing things remotely. Um, but so how does a company make sure that they're keeping their web platform secure? Uh, yeah, so there's, it's not just an assumption, there's a ton, there have been a ton of increase in, in tax and attempted exploits of all types, um, really since COVID has started, consider it, you know, the idle hands or the devil's play things kind of, <laughs> people are going to find mischief to make, um, yeah. and you're right, I mean, a lot of it is people who used to be in an office where even if you weren't very technically savvy, like at least an IT person had set up your entire infrastructure to help protect you even from mistakes you might make and now suddenly you're at home and you get an email they're like oh that's a little weird that seems a little fishy but it's from DocuSign it must be legitimate you click it and then boom what do you know you're infected um, so a lot of it and especially with our clients whenever it's down to you know person to person and peer to peer I think a lot of it's just based on education uh, we've got a like security partner with a organization called the Crypsis Group that's based here in DC that's you know pretty amazing in terms of like the types of security and whether it's preparation or incident response type of work that they do. Um, but then whenever it's down to like your, your marketing and sales stack uh, or if you've got a SaaS platform where you're storing any kind of whether it's payment information, HIPAA information, you've got to make sure you know your entire infrastructure is secure. And a lot of that starts with the simplest stuff where it's just keeping things updated, not neglecting maintenance. It's not the sexiest part of any of the work that people might do in terms of technology, but it's absolutely critical because it's those little lapses and paying attention to maintenance and updates that end up leading to something being exploited and then it being a big you know, emergency or a headache. And that's one of the things we help clients take care of a lot of is especially we host and maintain a lot of WordPress sites. So WordPress is a platform that is updated quite frequently. And if you keep it up to date, is very secure. It's whenever you start to let it be months out of date and you've got plugins that haven't been updated, somebody's going to find something that was, you know, a, a hole or an exploit or a vulnerability in some code hmm. that you can exploit. And then they pounce on you and suddenly your database is gone or your site is down or it's pointing to a lot of different types of, you know, content that you necessarily wouldn't want associated with your organization. And so while it's not, you know, the most fun stuff, it's those kind of little things go a long way in keeping you secure. And so it sounds like companies are wise if they if they have moved people to remote and they haven't moved them back and if they're not going to move them back that that's something they should pay some attention to consistently to make sure that they've got those holes plugged yeah yeah and not to take it for granted like i don't know how you grew up with technology but i know i think one of the things that i took for granted is growing up alongside and being able to see the technology evolve and playing with it at each stage of its evolution. I have an innate knowledge for how it worked and everything from, I mean, I didn't really get to put hands on like punch cards, but everything after that from real basic programming languages, I got to kind of see how everything stacked up and how 
the machines we use work. Whereas I feel like a lot of people who are, you know, kind of the technology natives who just, you know, oh, I just touched the iPad screen and it works. We all, at least I know, you know, the organizations I worked in, when I was at like CBS, people are like, oh, they're going to know all the technology and it's going to be amazing. And now it turns out like they don't really know how any of it works. They just assume that they can click things and the magic happens, which isn't necessarily innately a bad thing, but it definitely points out to not having a, a lot of awareness around what kind of things can harm your machine, what kind of things might be exploiting, you know, personal information you might not want out there, what kind of things are things you want to avoid. So that kind of education and just kind of little snippets here and there. Yeah way I think in making sure people are prepared. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great point and people don't realize that. I'm surprised at how much my kids don't really know how to do because they're digital natives and I do remember punch cards. So you know, I, <laughs> they were fun. Um, they were around for a very short period of time when I was in college, but um, but it is a difference. It, that, that is an interesting thing when you grow up with it and so you are watching an evolution. That, that, that's interesting. It's, uh, I can see. Especially for you know, anyone that grew up with like Windows 95 or they use Maps. Yeah. <laughs> you could try to download a song and then it turns out it was actually a virus and now you crashed your parents' computer and it was the only computer in the house and now you're in a lot of hot water. Like suddenly you start paying a lot of attention <laughs> to risk and vectors and things like that that sticks with you. So, I mean, being mindful of that, I think, goes along. Sounds like a personal experience. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's so funny. I'm going to take a quick sponsor break, and then I have some more questions for you. Sounds good. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. And you probably know that Audible.com has thousands of audiobook titles that you can choose from and listen to, but what you might not know is all the other content. So there's Audible Originals, podcasts, uh, guided meditations, and so much more. And uh, one of the cool things is that you can listen to all that different kind of content all in one place. So that's like one of my favorite things is that I don't have to go on to different platforms and, and programs to be able to get the content that I'm looking for. I think you're going to enjoy it as well. So we're offering you a free trial so you can check it out. Just go to audibletrial.com slash business growth, sign up for the trial and explore around, check out the audiobooks, check out the programs. Uh, my suggestion is to check out those guided meditations uh, and see what you think uh, for yourself. Today we are speaking with Chris Yoko about how your, um, website, your web presence is your business's greatest asset. Um, how, how, I don't know how I want to, well, I do know how I want to ask this question, but um, I think a lot of people really struggle with investing in their website because they don't really know how to calculate the impact. So how should a business owner calculate the impact of their web presence? Yeah, so it depends. I mean, one of the first things we usually lean into, and you're absolutely right, is you don't know what you're missing. I mean, one of the things that we run into all the time with especially smaller organizations is <clears throat> we rebuild the website because they're just like, oh, it looks so old. I hate pointing people to our website. I cross it out on my business card because I'm so embarrassed by it. But then you ask them like, okay, well, what kind of impact does it have on your business? They're like, well, we're more word of mouth, so it doesn't really have any impact on our business, which I think is an odd combination to have somebody asking to invest in their website while they 
also out of the other side of their mouth say it has no impact on their business. Um, <laughs> but we'll go through, we'll, we'll kind of chat about that. And almost unanimously, after we launch the site, within a couple of months, we'll hear back, oh, what's really interesting is we get so many more word of mouth referrals right now. And ultimately you'll see, it was the word of mouth referrals were always happening. It's just people check out your website before, you know, after they're referred. So Diane, you might say like, oh, I have this great plumber. And I might go check out his website and say, okay, this guy looks, you know, pretty good. Or, oh, this doesn't look like somebody I want to have in my house at all. And I might not reach out. So the word of mouth, you know, introductions and referrals were always happening. They just weren't necessarily acted upon. Whereas once you've got something that's buttoned up, uh, certainly people start to act on it. And then once you kind of get past that first hurdle and you start to be able to see that, oh, our website can have a positive impact on the business that we weren't anticipating, then you get into what you asked about, which is being able to really measure that impact. And so a lot of times you can get into kind of the weeds around like attribution models, which, you know, is it first touch, last touch? We usually recommend people consider like a multi-touch attribution strategy, which basically just means when somebody uh, becomes a new client, do we attribute the success of that new client relationship to the last thing that they did or that touched them before they, you know, signed an agreement with us? Is it the first thing that got them introduced to us or is it all the touches that happened? And we're in a marketplace where maybe if you're B2C or something, you know, a last touch or a first touch or something really makes sense. But if you're in a B2B world, it tends to be a more consultative sale. Uh, there tend to be more touches. And so a lot of times we tend to recommend people go with a multi-touch attribution strategy. And as a part of that, you should be able to, through a combination of analytics you have attached to your website, and hopefully CRM and or marketing you know, automation or email platform, be able to look at the top line and say, okay, we got this much you know, search traffic. We've got this much social traffic. This much came into our website. This many users were engaged with our website. Out of our engaged users, this many contacted us or signed up for a newsletter, et cetera. This many filled out a form for a demo and this many actually raised their hand to say that they want more information. And of all of those contacts, here's how they uh, percolated through our sales process. And ultimately, here's what was closed. And here's the overall revenue generated from these relationships. So people tend to make it a lot harder than I think it needs to be. But you kind of just look, you know, funnel top to bottom. And if you're doing a multi-touch attribution strategy, you don't have to really be in the weeds figuring out like, okay, well, what was the most effective component of this? You just start to look at the aggregate numbers and understand what your throughput is and what your conversion rate is. And then if you begin to feel really good about your conversion rate, you increase the amount of traffic, maybe with paid media or other outside marketing activities. And if you feel like your conversion rate needs help at any point throughout the funnel, then you do uh, what's called conversion rate optimization, CRO. And that can be work around the design, the copy, the contents, you know, the placements, the calls to action, all of those different things that just can help make incremental improvements in terms of the conversion rates on those different pages and squeeze pages uh, to get more people signing up and to be invested in the message you have and begin to have those conversations that ultimately lead to new relationships. Okay, so that sounds to me like they have to be really clear about what matters to their clients and their prospects so their messaging uh, you know, goes down that road. Yeah, just, I mean, you got to be in tune and you've got to be able to understand what applies or appeals to one audience may not be appealing to another audience type. So if you start to break your personas out or your audience out into different personas, you can begin to think about the different paths you want to go down. Maybe somebody is really interested in your product or platform because it solves issue X, whereas another person wants something that can be deployed in two weeks and 
it's a very different conversation you're having with each of them. You need to make sure you're having a conversation that's most appropriate for, uh, you know, that buyer. Got it. Got it. Okay. And when you talk about, um, you know, lead generation and squeeze pages, um, th that, does that, do they change over time or, uh, you know, once that someone has figured it out and they're getting the sort of traction that they're looking for, is that something that can stay relatively consistent? Uh, so, I mean, you'll usually want to update them on a somewhat regular basis, but I mean, you also don't want to mess with what's working, right? If it's not broken, don't fix it. So once yeah. you start to find a combination that works, you usually set that on autopilot to some extent. And then what we would do is usually some minor A-B testing. So you never want to take it for granted and just kind of set it on the back burner. So you want to do some minor A-B testing, see if you can continue to improve it. The other thing you'll tend to find is depending on how saturated your market is, if you kind of have creative fatigue, so it's just like, hey, like this messaging, it's saturated the market. People just aren't really listening to it anymore Then you've absolutely got to continue to evolve. So that depends a little bit more on your sales cycle and kind of the pacing of your market as to how often you need to refresh and update those things. But if you're keeping an eye on how they're performing, as long as it's performing and generating returns, you know, let it keep on keeping on. Right. Okay. And, and so, um, Speaking of that, you just made me think of something that so many industries are crowded. You know, there are so many people saying the same things yeah. that that just makes me think it's even that much more important to go through the process of, you know, how your website is telling your story. I think so. I, I think one of the things you're seeing on all forms of media on the web is like, obviously, one there's far more people on the planet than there used to be. So like some of the old philosophies uh, around marketing and communications and branding don't necessarily apply in the same ways. And I mean, you can take a lesson from thinking about things like music or TV. I mean, you know, I tend to have yeah. a lot of friends where it's like, there'll probably never be another group as influential as the Beatles because they came about as a point in time where there were only so many channels. You had a, the ability, thanks to technology to reach a global audience, but there were only so many channels, so you were undoubtedly going to hear them. Whereas now, you've got just as many channels as there are artists. And so you'll find your pocket, but you're unlikely to have people that are as all-consuming as you used to. And I think you're seeing that same thing with TV audiences. They're continuing to shrink and twin, uh, you know, uh, dwindle, but you have Twitch channels and YouTube channels and Ustream and Stage It and all these other platforms that are kind of chipping away at that by people growing their own audiences. And the same thing is happening for brands. You know, you're not necessarily gonna use the same branding that a Nike or an Apple use, despite how, you know, much people tend to like and gravitate towards those brands. You've got to do the things that carve out the audience that's right for you. And it's okay to be polarizing when you do that. You don't need to be all things to all people. You can have that messaging that really cuts to the core of the things that matter for your audience and the people that you want to do business with. And it can be polarizing the other way where it kind of repels the people that aren't a good fit. And ultimately I find that that strategy tends to work really, really well for organizations that know who they're a really good fit for and don't want to try to be all things to all people. Which is so important because you can't be all things to all people. Yeah, especially not now. Like there was a time where you could have just been yeah. 
great. Like we're going to be the Amazon or the Walmart. Um, and well, yeah, those superstores still have their places for most of, especially B2B brands. Like that's just, you know, not the case for the most part. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay. And then how, how do, like what role do companies play within a cause? I mean, I think it depends on what causes they've adopted. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of different ways for organizations to make an impact. Um, one of the big ones that we believe in is, you know, economics and uh, environmental sustainability. So being able to monitor and manage our, you know, carbon footprint, for example, is something we believe uh, in very heavily here internally. Um, one of our clients, they are accountants and tax attorneys. They go through a ton of paper. That was one of the biggest complaints that they had is they said, we have to be able to do this in a way that is more environmentally friendly. And so it was a big part of kind of their branding update. One of the things they leaned into was being able to be more paperless and therefore more sustainable. And so they you know, tended to look at their previous footprint and then they looked at the update and said, hey, not only are we gonna do a great job with your taxes and your accounting and your bookkeeping, et cetera, but also if you're working with us, you're going to eliminate X percent of your carbon footprint um, because we're gonna be doing this in a paperless ma manner as opposed to doing everything with printouts. And of course, they still have to have some for archival purposes and legal registrations or regulations, but um, you know, that's a way that aligns really well with their industry in terms of an impact that they wanna have. We've got other organizations that adopt causes that aren't necessarily streamlined or intertwined with their business, but nonetheless uh, are really important to their community where uh, you know, we've got a financial advisor that we work with that regularly contributes to soup kitchens and does fundraisers for the homeless and underfed populations um, in the metro areas that they're in. We've got another oh. that works with uh, families of all sizes, shapes, and financial backgrounds in terms of helping to understand college funding and being able to pay for college in a way that doesn't make you go broke. And how do you get ahead of that? And how do you figure out like all the little nuances and games within the system that allow that used to only be things that people who were super wealthy would have the level of advisorship and uh, access to that now people are actually getting access to this information through free workshops that they hold at the school. They held them at the schools whenever they could. <laughs> now they're doing them all through, you know, Zoom webinars. Um, but ultimately, I mean, there's no organization that I think should be divorced from all causes. I, I think you have to figure out what inspires or matters to you or your people and be able to adopt that and support it in a meaningful way. And um, I also, this is just a personal opinion, don't feel like it's enough to be able to pass the buck on your employees and say like, hey, we give them a hundred bucks to donate to a cause of their choice. I, I think that people are going to gravitate towards causes and if you can support that, that's great, but that doesn't mean that you as an organization are exempt or have passed the buck along and so you no longer have a responsibility. I think we're all in this and uh, you've got to have something that you stand for. I think that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up and those examples were terrific. I, I really appreciate that. I think it helps listeners um, really be able to see how they could uh, they they could incorporate, you know, a cause either something that they're personally interested in or something that's germane to their industry. Um, yeah, that, those are great. Yeah. I mean, even one of the clients we work with, their financial advisement firm, a uh, different financial advisement firm, and uh, they mostly do like 401k stuff, and they have these conferences where they 
again, used to have these conferences where they'd bring tons of people in and they'd set up these Keurig K-cups and K-cups are like one of my pet peeves because even the guy that invented them regrets <laughs> because they make up over like 1% of all landfill trash. And so they would hold, you know, yeah. a couple of these conferences a week and use thousands of these things and just trash them. And so we talked to them about that a little bit. And uh, so one of the things they do now is they do compostable ones and they send it all to an industrial composting facility where now it's all composted as opposed to just thrown away. And they get to throw a little nod to that, you know, being a little bit greener. And they use that as an intro to their uh, sustainability indexes that they add to all their clients' 401k investment options. So there's, you know, uh -huh. buy that stuff in. Yeah, right, right. That is great. Huh, this is so interesting. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, Chris, I, I appreciate this information. I think it is such an interesting way of looking at um, our web presence and our story and, and, you know, why we do what we do and the impact that we're hoping to have. So thanks so much for coming on and presenting this uh, way of seeing things. Oh, my pleasure. I appreciate the, uh, the time and I appreciate the chat. Absolutely. Will you share with the listeners how they can find you and anything you have going on that you think they should know about, please? Uh, sure. So uh, to find us online, it's just yokoco.com. That's Y-O-K-O-C-O.com. Uh, I personally am just at chrisyoko.com, spelled like you would expect, uh, C-H-R-I-S-Y-O-K-O.com. And uh, from there, if you want to get onto any social platforms or anything, we've got them all linked. So uh, you can jump off over there and uh, look forward to connecting or chatting with anybody who uh, wants to talk about how to build a better world. Uh, that is great. Thank you so much. And listeners, you know, if you hadn't thought about this before, you might have been thinking about it lately as, as we you know, navigate this strange new world that we're in. And if not, then maybe Chris sparked something in you. Um, so listen to this episode again, reach out to Chris on the socials, you know, find out more about how you can um, change the way you look at things and present your business and make a better world. And I'd like to thank our sponsor, audible.com. Uh, go get your free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth and check out all of the incredible audio content that is there for your listening enjoyment. Uh, as always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure.
You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.